Hello, this is On Mike with Jordan Rich, I Would Be He, where we invite conversation with creative people, creative people who have a lot to say. Thrilled to reunite with an old friend, Bruce Ferber, a television comedy veteran, having written and produced for many shows, including Bosom Buddies and Growing Pains, Coach, Home Improvement, and Sabrina the Teenage Witch. But in the last decade or so, he's found great success as a novelist, with his first one, Elevating Overman, published in May of 2012. His second novel, Cascade Falls, came out in 2015, and all also got great reviews. He edited a non-fiction anthology, The Way We Work, on the job in Hollywood with some great fellow contributors such as J.J. Abrams and Robert Town and Chris Rock. Today we get a chance to talk about his latest novel called I Buried Paul. And we're about to do a major shout out and tip of the hat to all of the folks out there in tribute bands and garage bands who have tried to live the dream. Lovers of the Beatles, take note, you came to the right place. Let's do it. Let's go on mic with Bruce Ferber. I know guys like the guys in this book, man. I have been friends with and know of these kinds of rogue traveling musicians who work their butts off. Congratulations. It's a great read. Thank you. Thank you so much. Where does the inspiration for this one come, my friend? Exactly from the place that you just mentioned. Um, I've known these people my whole life. And, you know, it kind of hit me especially moving to L.A. and watching the music business become what it is for good and bad. And when I say bad, I mean, it's harder to make a living now, even if you have a recording contract, because it doesn't mean anything. I mean, everybody is on Spotify where they're making pennies Mm. per song. It's just a harder road. And when I moved to L.A., I saw so many unbelievably talented musicians who were you know really struggling and, and the other thing that was amazing to me is that when i was growing up and the beatles hit and everybody was in a, a garage rock band including me when we when we wanted to play these songs we all we had was the record and maybe we would get some sheet music which was unintelligible right. but you'd play the record over and over and over again to try and approximate what the hell they were doing and you couldn't come close. And now thousands of bands, cover bands and yeah. tribute bands, there's a difference. But um, they all can play this stuff note for note, and they play it really well. Let's let's do this, because uh, you and I of a certain generation and certain appreciation for the Beatles understand right. the title. But I think it's important to explain it to readers. And by the way, anyone of any age range will enjoy this book. But I Buried Paul, why that title? The title, I mean, it, it's... It's a it's three words that are part of Beatles lore in that during there was a whole period where somebody started this rumor that Paul was dead and somebody was impersonating him and they were looking. It was a big conspiracy theory and they were looking for all these clues. And one of the clues they claimed was that at the end of Strawberry Fields Forever, there's a lot of sound effects and a lot of gibberish and in between the gibberish is what sounds like John Lennon saying, I buried Paul, whether it's really that or not, it probably isn't. But that wouldn't have been enough to make that the title of this book. But the title of the book has to do with a guy who plays Paul McCartney in a Beatles tribute band, doesn't want to just mimic Paul McCartney for his career. He doesn't want that to be, you know, he, he doesn't want to go out that way. He, he wants his own thing. And, you know, we follow his journey while he really doesn't, you know, want to bury Paul. Maybe he wants to just come into his home. Yeah. 
the metaphor is perfect because as you read this book by our friend Bruce here, you'll realize uh, this is a journey that the main character, Jimmy, takes. And the people around him are hysterical and interesting. One in particular, Gene, the uh, older founder of the group Help, which is really, he is a character that reminds me of characters in your previous books, including Elevating Overman. Let's talk about Gene and who he is in the story. You know, Gene is the guy from our generation, and they, they, but he's the guy who in every high school, elementary school, whatever, he's <laughs> the guy that everybody says he's going to be the big rock star right, someday. Right. And there was a guy in my school who was super talented and started doing this, you know, in the fifth and sixth grade. But the minute the Beatles came out, he was he had his guitar and he was off to the races. Great voice, great talent. Everybody said, this is the guy. He turned out not to be the guy, it, it, like so many do, because it's hard to be the guy, <laughs> you know, oh, gosh, and, yeah, uh, yeah. A, a tragic end. Um, but this book is sort of imagining what would happen to him had he stayed alive, didn't make it, but still found a way to be an artist and, you know, do his craft. I love this storyline because in the process of them being older guys trying to win this big competition, this Liverpool, uh, is there a Liverpool, New York, by the way? Or you make that up? There There is. I can't believe it. Wow. And when when I discovered there was, I was so ecstatic because, you know, when I write books, you know, people always ask you, well, what's your process? Do you outline? And, you know, the, the really specific outline is something that you do in television and movies and the studios that are paying you, they demand that. But when you write novels, you have the freedom and it's really a very good thing to kind of have an idea of your beginning, middle and end, hmm. but let your characters take you through the story. Let them show you where it goes. Yeah. But, you know, all along, and maybe it's my TV training, but I have a sense of pacing and story and I need, I swear to you, Jordan, one day I, I just at my computer, I said, I wonder if there's a Liverpool in the United States. <laughs> well, there's a, pa- there's a and Paris. Found- Might as well be a Liverpool. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I found it. I I, I literally, I, I think I jumped out of my <laughs> my shorts because I had my ending. Well, you know, I, I, had, I had the thing. Yeah. The thing we're talking about is this competition, a battle of the bands, the Beatles tribute bands to win a trip to the real Liverpool or whatever. So there's a great crescendo of ex- excitement and anticipation. I, I, I can see a movie out of this whole thing. And I'm sure you wrote it thinking, oh, this would make a great miniseries. I never do, by the way. I never I never do. Yeah, you're probably I, probably smart. Well, I mean, what happens is that I, I just try to stay in the story and I, I stay true to that. I don't get one step ahead of myself. Honestly, think it's it's the good part of my TV training that I have this sense of pacing or whatever it is. It just kind of falls that way. I, I, I don't know. You know, at this point, I want to just give you a chance to show off. You came up with bands and names for bands in the competition <laughs> that are laugh out loud funny. And I don't need you to tell us all, but just a few of the, the highlights. Who are some of these bands? You know, the, the whole book takes place on Long Island, where I grew up. W- one of the areas, I guess, was the Five Towns, and and there is a Long, Long Island Beatles tribute band called Norwegian Woodmere. Which is a town in Long Island, and uh, 
Well, one of the, you know, it, it was really funny because um, one of the bands in the competition has a very strange name called, they're called Shirley's Wild Accordion. And the reason they're called that is that this Beatles tribute convention that I do with the book, it, it's almost like a Star Trek convention. It, it, it really hardcore Beatles, you know, these people who know the minutia. So Shirley's Wild Accordion is based on the name of an instrumental track from Magical Mystery Tour that never got in the movie or on the album. And I, I had never seen anything more obscure than that. And I wanted one, one band to, to be really, really obscure. I also had Rubber Soul, S-E-O-U-L, from Korea. Of course, of course. <laughs> course love love it there were so many i can't recall them all but it's really a a character study of what these people go through uh, different levels and and our main character jimmy is such a unique guy and such an interesting guy because he looks up to his older brother and i won't give anything away also dealing with a dad and it's it's a generational piece bruce because the dad is the guy and you'll understand this reference who uh, played all the bar mitzvahs <laughs> right and had the old uh, lawrence welkian kind of style sure. And then he's uh, not very happy about his sons going into the music world. Yeah. So that uh, was that based on somebody in your experience? Well, I knew all these people. They, they were not in my family, but I knew the guys who did the bar mitzvahs. And I was always fascinated that this was their deal. This was their job. You know, everybody else's father had a regular job. And, and these guys got to play at all of these weddings and everybody loved them. And and then there was that moment that I remember when rock and roll came in. Yeah. And what did these guys do? <laughs> I, I remember the moment when they started hiring, you know, kids to play with them, for, you know, to, to rock bands to play with them to just to get the kids satisfied. We're about the same age. I remember Proud Mary, Keep On Rolling by a a four-piece combo was the big rock song. They'd play one rock song and then go back back to the Holly Gully. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's right. That's right. And yeah, yeah, so my guy, uh, Jimmy's dad, you know, is trying to play. I saw her standing there on his accordion and it's just not flying. And And that's sort of symbolizes the change that's going on. One of the things about the book, uh, when you read the acknowledgments, and you were certainly talking about the musicians, the the traveling journey men and women musicians, but you also thank and point out, because characters in the book relay this, uh, those who are caregivers, particularly for our elderly population. Um, and I'm glad you did that because they play a very important role, one in particular in the book. Want to share why that was important to you? Um, it was really important to me because I saw both my parents, uh, both my parents were wound up in the same nursing facility. And, um, and you know, one of the, the key things that I saw that, you know, basically is a scene in the book was when I went to see my dad there. My dad had had quite a, you know, a, a notable career. He was the publisher of Esquire magazine mm. for some time. Mm-hmm. And he was, he, he had dementia and he wound up in this nursing facility, beautiful place. And the people were very kind and very good. And then uh, once a week, they brought this guy in to play music. And he was singing like kindergarten songs to these people, these grown people. And it was just a moment that just made me 
really, really sad and, and really angry too. Mm. Um, so that was the part of the nursing home thing that I used in, in the book for a certain type of scenes. But yes, I acknowledge them because, you know, I, between my father and my mother, I was going there for 15 years or something, wow. it seemed. Yeah. Uh, it couldn't have been that because they weren't in the nursing facility that long. But I would say, you know, a total of uh, maybe six six years. Mm. Yeah, that, that stays with you, of course. And Jimmy, our main character, our hero, uh, goes to the nursing home and and plays, uh, but he plays Beatles and, and contemporary and his music, and he doesn't play down to them, which is kind of cool. Exactly. That, that was the whole thing. Don't play down to these people, even though they may not be who they were before, you know, by reducing them to children, it, it's just... It's horrible. So. You you have a sensibility, and I'm so glad we reconnected after all these years, having spoken to you uh, on the air live. But you have a sensibility for uh, characters and language, and you write this scene of Jimmy reuniting with the daughter he never met. You know, a daughter yet, and we don't have to get in again to the plot details. But uh, I I was really taken because I have children in that age range, and I also have a stepdaughter who lives in L.A., so I'm very familiar with that sort of vibe. Your ear for that was very in tune, how they act, how they talk, how they socialize, the, the kids, the younger people of that generation. Yeah. Um, you know, I've known a few, and, and it really is, you know, as parents, we all have our struggles with trying to connect with our, our children in a way that is satisfying to us while allowing them to live their own lives. We we all want to do that. And it's sort of a dance for us because we grew up in a different time and we didn't grow up in, you know, a social media generation and um, attention spans are short these days. And, you know, Jimmy, having never had children, he's just curious to know who who is this girl out there. And she's a very sweet girl and she's very successful. But, you know, what he finds is something totally unexpected. And that is is something that is quite believable. Well, it, it it's a funny book. There are so many laugh out loud moments, but it's also sweet, touching and very poignant. And uh, let's just say this, the ending uh, has a lot of poignancy to it. Uh, and it relates to some of the stuff we're talking about. I, I hate to talk with a novelist. I don't want to give enough away, but at the same time, I want people to be intrigued. Trust me, folks, you'll read it and you'll, you'll laugh, you'll enjoy it, and you'll, you'll get a tear too, which is what you want in a great novel. And that brings me to uh, a couple of other things besides I Buried Paul. I had not talked with you about the way we work uh, uh, on the job in Hollywood. A, a nonfiction book that you edited up uh, is that right bruce right i edited and I, and I wrote one of the essays for it yes and some of the names are pretty well known and uh, you had a good overview with these folks who were some of the contributors oh my gosh so I, I had everybody from robert town who basically gave me the permission to reprint uh something that was just so fantastic about screenwriting um J.J. Abrams, this was really interesting, you know, because when you do one of these books, I have all the people I know in Hollywood. And then there are a ton of people, a lot of who are more famous who I don't know. So how do you get a hold of these people and how do you get them in your book? And sometimes it involves, you know, like the Robert Town thing was a reprint of something he had already published 
but you know people of the younger generations never read it so it, it, it's fantastic to put it in that book jj abrams wrote something that i read online it was a 20 page uh article for the director's guild magazine and i called the director's guild magazine and i said i would like to compress this into five pages of because i would like to take the five pages of how he started and put it in this book because a lot of it is about how you broke in and that sort of thing mm -hmm. so they said well we'll have to check with jj and i just kept bugging him and bugging him, bugging him and finally he gave me the permission and he said that's cool and a lot of these other people are people that I worked with somewhere along the line. Uh, a great cinematographer, Steve Fearberg, uh, an editor, Steve Cohn, who does Bosch. Uh, he's been oh, doing this for years. Love Bosch. And, and everybody had, you know, this unique perspective of, I had actors, um, you know, I had some famous actors. I had Gabrielle Union and I had a friend of mine, Rena Strober, who was an incredible Broadway actress who, you know, she didn't, she, she's still kind of trying to find, everybody is trying to find work. I mean, it, it, it's crazy it's, uh, being, trying to be an actress and then hitting 40 and, and all that kind of stuff. So we got her perspective and it was a great, uh, great journey to try and to, to interview all these people. And it's out there, and uh, people who want to get into the business or just are curious or, or want an yeah. understanding, it's it's a terrific resource. Speaking of TV, I know you're not doing it actively now, but you must be watching a little bit here and there. What floats your boat as a, as a former TV showrunner and TV guy? What what are you liking out there? You know, I, I will like to say I would like to say that I have an animated show that I'm trying to get out there, Ooh. and it's it's absolutely it's based on a fantastic book of stories by a, an unbelievable writer named Scott Bradfield, who does reviews for the New York Times and the LA Times, LA Review Books, and he he is a fantastic writer, and I met him I don't know just through the course of of writing novels, and he sent me a bunch of his stuff. And his book is called Dazzle, and it's a series of short stories about a misanthropic dog who basically is kind of pissed off at what we humans are doing to his planet. And so I, I'm trying, I'm working on that as a uh, as an animated series. And good luck to me dealing with all the you know executives yeah. out there and and all that. But it's but there's stuff I like. I mean, I I like. Uh, have you? Do you watch Hacks at all, Gene Smart? I, I've seen it. Gene Smart's um, brilliant, brilliant actress. Yeah, I've seen a couple she's of episodes. So, yeah. she's so brilliant, and um, you know, I, I haven't. What I mean, I, I like Ted Lasso. Oh, um, yes, me too. I love, I love The Crown. <laughs> um, I loved a show. I think my favorite sitcom. If you have not seen this. Jordan, my favorite sitcom in years is called Atypical on Netflix. It's about uh, an autistic teenager mm -hmm. and his family. And the casting is beyond belief. Michael Rappaport plays the father. And uh, it, it's just some of the most phenomenal writing I, I've ever seen in TV comedy. And it's, you know, you could say it's a dramedy. But the funny is really funny, 
and the other stuff is it's just so good it's so good i'll have to check that out um, I, I, so I, I think we're in a golden age of uh creative output and streaming services and elsewhere there's so much that there's still a certain amount that's not even worth wasting your time on but there's a lot of good stuff out there but when it comes to novels uh you're on a roll this is what your third i believe third novel this is my third and i've just completed you know this book was done right before covid started um and i spent a year trying to sell it and um when i finally sold it I had then two, two plus years of COVID to figure out what I'm going to do with myself. Yeah. So I wrote another book, and so I have a, a draft of that of that done and ready to show. And that that's been like, that is the most ambitious thing I've ever done. And it it may be awful, it may be great. Well, we'll we'll definitely want to chat with you when that pops. But uh, one more question about this one: I buried Paul. Has there been any attempt or any connection with the surviving Beatles, including one Sir Paul McCartney, yet on this? This is really, really interesting. Okay, so uh, a friend of mine, the one who I'm developing the animated show with, actually worked with Paul McCartney on something. I, I guess it was an animation based on a children's book he wrote. So, you know, I said, listen, this is probably impossible. But, you know, would he you know, ever read it. And, and, you know, to get something like that to Paul McCartney is, is impossible. But my friend is good friends with his lawyer, one of the Eastman's. Um, so he talked to the lawyer and the lawyer, you know, basically said, Paul doesn't, you know, he doesn't read anything Beatles related at, at this <laughs> point, you know, unless it's, and then my across the street neighbor, Jordan uh, is uh, Peter Jackson's producer and manager. So uh, I tried to get Peter Jackson to read it. And Peter Jackson, apparently, once he started doing it back, everybody in creation was trying to get a piece of Peter Jackson to endorse their Beatles something or other. So uh, I couldn't get it to him either. But um, but you're, you're, doing, you're doing the right thing, casting your line. Let's put it that way. Sooner or later, yeah. sooner or later, as the book starts to take off, and it will, uh, people in that realm and that sphere will notice it. Yeah. The title stands out, of course, and I'm glad we explained the title from the ancient lore of the Beatles, I Buried Paul. But it's a great novel, and uh, you find yourself rooting for not only the hero, but for some of the people around him, some of the band members and the women in his life. And one more thing, you had to have this. I mean, I, I was wondering how you're going to work this in. There is a um, a stand-in for Yoko Ono, which makes everything more fun, doesn't it? <laughs> Come on. So, so what is the question exactly? I don't even want to pose a question and have you talk about it, but let's just say working that in was brilliant because that adds such a an element of controversy and conflict and and weirdness to the whole Beatles thing in reality. So I just tip of the hat. That's all. Tip of the hat. Oh, thank you. You know, somebody said to me who read it recently, they said, "Oh my god, when did you write this because you made reference to the Get Back documentary?" Well, I wrote it, you know, many moons ago, but the the edits and the copy edits and all this stuff went right up to the you know to the wire. So I was able to reference the Get Back documentary where people kind of forgave Yoko for her, you know, and said she was not the one who broke up the Beatles. 
Uh, I don't don't know whether I believe that. (laughs) (laughs) Let the readers figure that out for themselves based on what Bruce came up with. BruceFerber.net, by the way. All of your activities are there, and uh, it's an updated site. looks great. And the book is called I Bury Paul. It's so nice to connect with you again, and I hope to continue our relationship for many years to come. always, Always a pleasure to hear your voice. It really is. Oh, he's a great guy. Bruce Ferber. His website is BruceFerber, F-E-R-B-E-R dot net. Do read I Buried Paul, and I guarantee you'll go back and want to read his other novels. He's a terrific writer. Thanks, as always, to Dan Tebow of Fast Twitch Media for his help in publishing these and many other podcasts we produce here at Chart Productions. I want to thank you, the listeners, for being so kind, for rating and reviewing this podcast, and so many downloads, so many subscribers. Can't say thank you enough. Till next time, this is JR saying, be well so you can do good. Take care.